Okay, so um, so let's let's uh, make a start to our meeting now. So uh, so let's pray now. Lord God, thank you that we are able to gather here this evening. Some of us in person, others online. Uh, we trust, and uh, we do pray that you will please help us now to draw near to you. Help us to uh, be aware of your presence, and please um, speak to us through your word. And uh, help us to build each other up in any discussion that we have as well. Uh, Through Jesus Christ. Amen. Right, good. Well, this evening we're in the book of Proverbs. And um, we're at chapter 14. And I'm planning this evening for us to... uh, Hoping this evening for us to consider verses 1 through to 6. Uh, so Proverbs 14 and uh, verse 1 through to verse 6. Uh, the wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her, own, with her own hands tears it down. Whoever walks in uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is devious in his ways despises him the mouth by the mouth of a fool comes a rod for his back but the lips of the wise will preserve them where there are no oxen the manger is clean but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox A faithful witness does not lie, but a false witness breathes out lies. A scoffer seeks wisdom in vain, but knowledge is easy for the man of understanding. So uh, we have here in these these proverbs a, a number of sayings. Uh, and um, quite a number of them speak about the good that uh, wisdom does uh, to people and to people around them and the harm that folly does to those who, uh, who are foolish. And uh, the first one, um, verse 1, there is a, a bit of a question about the translation of it. Uh, in our translation, the ESV Uh, says the wisest of women builds her house but folly with her own hands tears it down but most of the translations that that, uh, I'm aware of uh, actually the second half uh, they say uh, the foolish woman tears down her own house Um, so for example um, New International Version translates it Uh, The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. Or the New King James, uh, the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. Or the New American Standard, the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish tears it down with her own hands. And so um, it seems that if those translations are correct, what, what... 
Solomon is here doing is he's contrasting uh, the wise woman who builds up her house with the foolish woman who actually tears down her house uh, with her own hands. Now, why does um, Solomon, uh, in a book which is, which is addressed to his son, why does he speak to him about a wise woman and contrasts, contrasting this with a foolish woman? Well, I think that um, there are two reasons. Uh, firstly, because um, he hopes that his son will get married. And so in talking about the value of a wise woman, he is giving uh, guidance to his son about the sort of woman to look for in order to marry. Uh, And um, this ties up with chapter 12, verse 4, which we looked at a few weeks ago. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. So... Uh, Solomon speaks about uh, a wise woman and the good that a wise woman will do um, so that uh, his son can, can be wise and careful about the choice of his wife. But also um, because, of course, although this book is primarily addressed to uh, Solomon's son, it is scripture And it's for all of God's people, male and female. And there is the expectation that uh, girls and women will read this book and that they will learn from it. And so uh, here is uh, something for uh, women particularly to benefit from um, as to the good that a wise woman can do and uh, the harm that a foolish woman can do. Now let us remind ourselves about the meaning of wise, the words wise and foolish uh, in this book. A wise person, according to this book, is not just somebody who is knowledgeable or intelligent. Somebody can be knowledgeable or intelligent, but also foolish. No, a wise person is a person who makes good decisions which will help him and help others. A wise person is a person whose heart uh, is set on God. He's been born again. His heart is for God or her heart is for God. Um, And... um, this ties up with that famous verse which we, which we started with in, in chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. So, um, the, the wise woman is the woman whose heart is for God. She's been born again. She wants to serve God. She wants to please God in her life. Now, uh, and what Solomon is saying is that a wise woman will uh, build up her house. She'll do much good to 
her house. And of course, by the house, it doesn't just mean the literal physical house, but it means the household. Uh, she'll do good. She'll build up her husband. She'll build up her children and her grandchildren. She'll do much good to them. And this is uh, really a summary of what is spoken of in chapter 31. You might want to just turn over to the end of the book of Proverbs, chapter 31 and uh, verse 10, which speaks about an excellent, these verses speak about an excellent wife and the way that she's so productive, she does so much good, she blesses all around her. An excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of, of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's like the ships of the merchant which bring, brings her food from afar. She rises while it's yet night and provides food for, for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field, a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her door, sorry, she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates and he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and delivers sashes to the merchants. So here is a woman who is marked by hard work, reliability, enterprise, love, care and generosity. And she is someone who is a tremendous blessing to her husband and a tremendous blessing to her children. But a foolish woman whose heart is not in the right place, she is going to be a drain on the household. She may well, um, in these ancient times, perhaps have wasted her time um, drinking too much wine, chatting with, with neighbours and friends, um, being lazy, not looking after her children. And um, Solomon says that, that, that this woman is like somebody taking a pickaxe to the house. With her own hands, she tears it down. She's destroying her family. Now, of course, what he said about a, a godly woman is true for a godly husband. A wise and good husband will be a tremendous power of good to his wife and to his children. But a husband who's lazy or gets drunk or steals or gets into needless arguments with others will destroy his household. So the, the, the lesson is, uh, for any who are not married, uh, be careful about whom you marry. Uh, do not be guided by looks or how much money your potential spouse has got. Uh, look for someone whose heart is right before God. It's better to remain single 
than to marry a fool. But there's a lesson for all of us as well. If, do you want to be good and helpful to your family? Well, uh, be wise. Fear God and uh, honour God in your life. Well, let's move on to the second proverb, chapter 14 and verse 2. Uh, and this tells us about how you can identify somebody who fears God. Uh, verse 2, whoever walks in uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is devious in his ways despises him. How can you identify somebody who fears God? Answer, you can identify somebody who fears God because that person walks in uprightness. The man who fears God obeys God's law. He is humble. He is loving. He is kind. He keeps his word. He is truthful. He deals with people fairly. He works hard. You can see a consistency about him. Why is this man consistently doing the right thing? Why is he walking in uprightness? Well, the answer is because he fears God. He knows that he's answerable to God. Yes, if he's a true believer, he knows he's saved. He, he knows that he's not going to go to hell. But that, if he has a true believer and he has a proper fear of God, that's not going to make him careless about his life. He knows that he is still answerable to God. He knows that God has the power to discipline him in this life. And he also knows that how he lives now in this life is going to affect his experience of glory at the resurrection. And so out of fear and respect to God, he does what is right. He walks in uprightness. But the person who is devious in his ways despises God. Here is somebody who is devious, who is scheming, who plans, who puts on a show maybe of being religious, maybe pretends to be good, but actually this person is, is lazy, selfish, rude, unkind, greedy, lustful, proud. All these sins are lurking under the surface and, and in his deviousness he's looking for ways to, uh, to, um, to satisfy his sinful desires. Well, somebody who's like that shows that he has no real fear of God. Because if he did truly fear God, he would, he would obey God from the heart. He wouldn't just put on a show of being a righteous, but he would, he would actually uh, truly obey God from the heart. So here's a challenge for you and for me. If someone was to place a secret camera in your house and 
then play it back afterwards. What conclusion would he come to you? Would come about you? Would he say, "Oh, this man obviously has a deep fear of God," or this woman obviously has a deep fear of God? Look at the way uh, this man treats his wife with such tenderness and kindness. Look at the way he's so gentle with his children. Look at the way he's so conscientious in the way he does his work. Look at the way he he treats the people who who. Um, who come to the door. Yes, this man fears God. Or would such a, a video conclude, somebody watched that, such a video say, well, you can see this man obviously has no fear of God at all. Look at the way he treats people. Look at, look at his, the shoddy way he works. Look at his laziness. Look at the way he's, he's getting drunk. Look at the way he's... he's um, He's watching pornography on the, on the internet. No, this man doesn't have any fear of God at all. So, uh, the fear of God will show itself in the way that you live. And particularly in the way that you live in private. In, your, in the secrecy of your own home. The things you say and do in private. How can we cultivate the right fear of God? Well, first of all, of course, we must be born again. We must turn from our sins and ask the Lord to save us and, and come to him for a, 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 a new heart. But having been born again, we should constantly remind ourselves that whilst our God, yes, he is full of love, he is also pure and holy. And, in fact, his love means that he will not leave us in our sin. He loves us too much to tolerate our sin. And so if we continue in sin, he will deal with us. He will discipline us. Um, if necessary, bring illness upon us or even early death. Uh, so we need to... We, if we remember these things, we will fear God and we'll be careful about how we live. Well, let's go on to the next verse, verse 3. Um, the mouth of a fool is a rod for his own back. Verse 3. By the mouth of a fool comes a rod for his back, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. Now we have in English the expression so-and-so is a rod for his own back. Or his, or his actions are a rod for his own back. And, and um, it's often used to describe somebody who does something really foolish and wrong and uh, then he lives with the consequences of his foolish action. And he he brings punishment, as it were, upon him, his own self by his foolish and wrong actions. Now, I don't know for definite, but it, it seems as though that, that English expression, a rod for his own back, it seems as though this might have come from this proverb, which is very, very similar. By the mouth of a fool comes a rod for his back. And what this is really saying is that 
A fool, somebody who does not fear God, will often make trouble for himself by foolish and wrong things that he says. Uh, we, we, there are lots of examples in, in the book of Proverbs, as we've seen as we've been going through, about how a fool uses his tongue in a wrong way and in a foolish way. And so let's think about some, sort, some ways in which uh, the foolish speech of a fool, the, the unwise speech of a fool, can bring trouble on himself. For example, uh, he might... Uh, insult somebody maybe somebody stronger than himself or more powerful than himself and he hurls insults at this person and he therefore brings uh, maybe trouble on himself maybe brings uh, insults back or maybe even uh, physical attack as a result of his of his insulting behavior or maybe his boastful speech you know, he gets people's backs up by boasting and bragging about his achievements or about his money or about his, about his good looks or something like that. And, and he makes enemies for himself through his boastful speech. Or maybe rudeness. Um, for, for no reason, um, he's just plain rude to somebody. Somebody says, hello, and he just walks past, just insults that person and, and just walks past him and, and, and ignores him. Didn't need to do that. But he could very easily have said hello back, could have been polite, could have been friendly, but he was rude. And so he makes trouble for himself. Or maybe um, perhaps anger. Uh, he gets, something happens and he gets frustrated and he takes out on people around him his his anger and his frustration. Uh, Maybe um, he might make threats. Uh, Somebody perhaps makes a threat to him and then he retaliates with a threat back to that person and before you know where you are, uh, he lands up in in, in maybe a fight. Um, Or maybe um, through gossip. He, He loses friends through... Uh, through gossiping and, and creates trouble for himself. And so you can see how through um, a foolish person, by, the f- by, by his foolish use of his tongue, can often bring on himself unnecessary trouble. Broken relationships, loss of reputation, perhaps lawsuits, uh, perhaps... Violence. One can think of, you know, various lawsuits that have been going through the courts not long, not quite recently. Lawsuits for libel and and these sorts of things, which uh, surely, if probably both the parties could have been a bit more careful about what they said and a bit more careful about their about their actions, uh, they could have actually avoided hundreds of thousands of pounds being spent on uh, these lawsuits. So uh, we see then that, that a fool will often bring trouble upon himself through his foolish speech. 
Whereas it says the lips of the wise will preserve them. Very often a wise person will know the right way to respond. Maybe an insult has come to him and he answers kindly. Maybe he's provoked and a lesser man would, would get angry and shows annoyance. But a wise person answers calmly and, within, and, and in a patient way and, and in such a way as to, to diffuse a situation that could otherwise have resulted in trouble. And so a, a wise person is often able to rescue himself out of trouble. Now, of course, not always. Sometimes, remember, the book of Proverbs is talking in generalizations. So it may be you might have a, a man who's really godly, really calm, really patient, and even so, for no rational reason, he's hated. Just like Stephen in the New Testament times. He, he did nothing wrong. He preached or gave a speech to the Sanhedrin. He simply showed them their sins and their faults and uh, they were filled with hatred and they wanted to kill him and they did kill him. So sometimes, of course, a godly person may well still um, uh, suffer attack. But very often, a wise and godly person will be able to rescue himself from trouble through, um, through answering wisely when insulted or attacked some other verses which say something similar uh, proverbs chapter 10 and verse 13 um, on the lips who has understanding wisdom is found but a rod is for the back of him who lacks sense proverbs 12 verse 16 the vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. See here, you know, the fool, somebody insults the fool, the fool immediately loses his rag, ah, and answers back. But the, the wise person uh, ignores an insult. He doesn't, he lets it brush off his back, off, his, off him like water off a duck's back. He doesn't, doesn't trouble him. And so an argument doesn't ensue. Uh, Proverbs 15 verse 1 a soft answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger a wise person brings that soft word and, it, and he diffuses the situation so um, a foolish person uh, brings trouble on himself by his, by his speech by his foolish speech. Now let's move on now to uh, verse 4. And uh, I'm entitled this Investment Leads to a Return. Uh, verse 4 Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. Now imagine. This is, of course, from the farming situation. This is talking about, you know, in, in ancient times when, you know, people would have a small plot of land 
which they'd inherited from their, their ancestors and which they would pass on to their ancestors. And they would grow their own crops on this piece of land. Now, if you, if you try to grow your own crops by plowing the fields or by turning over the soil by, by means of a spate, you're going to be doing back-breaking work. People do it. People still do it today on allotments. They go to the allotments. They, have a, they, get, they get their spade and they turn the earth over uh, and they, you know, for their potatoes or whatever it is and they turn the earth over and by, you know, after a, you know, sort of several hours, you've managed to turn over maybe 15 feet of, of soil and you're exhausted. You know, you've moved tons of earth. Just, But uh, now, so imagine one day the, 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 the father of the household says, ah, oh, look, let's, let's save up our money. Let's, let's not eat very much this year. Let's try and, let's try and, let's try and save, let's try and sell some of what we've grown We'll skimp and save. We won't, we won't buy very much. And we'll buy ourselves an ox. And the members of the family, oh, we don't want to do that. We don't want to starve. We, we don't want to go without our luxuries. But no, they come to the agreement. Okay, we'll, we'll make that sacrifice. We'll buy the ox. So they buy the ox. Well, next year, they get the plough to the ox. And they, they plough their whole field in a day. With the help of this ox. And then they've got... They sow the seed and they get a massive harvest. So they've invested. They've done, they've done without one year in order to, to, to be able to invest and buy this ox. And now, from now on in, they've always got plenty of food because they made that investment. Well, what's the equivalent today? Well, maybe... You want to get a job, you're doing very basic work in a cafe or something like this, and you scrimp and you save, and you buy yourself a computer, maybe, and then you you scrimp and you save, and you do a, a course on programming. You've invested. Well, then you're able to get, where before you were getting minimum wage, £10 an hour at the cafe, now you can earn 50 pounds an hour, 100 pounds an hour programming. And, and so you've invested, you've done without for a short while, you, you've, you've, you've deprived yourself, but in the long term, you've got a return. Or it's another example, just in terms of education. You know, you leave school at 16 and you can go straight into a job and you think, oh, wow, I can earn, I can earn 80 pounds a day. This is fantastic. But if you were... To, to do your A-levels and then you would do, do a degree uh, you might be able to earn a great deal but we can also think of a spiritual application of this as well can't we you invest time in reading your Bible in praying and coming to meetings of the church reading good Christian books you invest in spiritual Learning. Well, down the line, you reap a spiritual harvest. You grow in your knowledge of the Lord and you, you live a more godly life. Or a church maybe scrimps and saves, doesn't have a pastor, but it scrimps and saves. They save up and then they invest in a pastor. And then uh, they find that 
there's spiritual return. You know, the Bible does liken pastors to oxen. So, you know, they save up, they get themselves a pastor, and then the church starts to benefit from, from that. Well, let's move on to um, the next proverb, which is that a, a truthful witness does not lie. Verse 5, a faithful witness does not lie, but a false witness breathes out lies. I think what this is really saying is that somebody who has a habit of being truthful or, or, or who, somebody who is, who is truthful about perhaps fairly small details about somebody else will be truthful about everything about himself and others. But somebody who is a false witness, somebody who is not truthful about, uh, about somebody else will uh, be somebody that you cannot trust at all. In other words, if you, if you find somebody, if you find out about somebody that somebody, you know, you, you, they say something, it doesn't quite ring true. And you investigate and you think, oh no, that, that person has been a bit shady, a bit not quite right with the truth. Well, in fact, that person is going to be an untruthful person. That person you're going to find to be unreliable. Someone who tells small lies actually also tells big lies. Uh, if we've obtained something on the basis of a, of a lie, then really a whole life is built upon a lie. And uh, that's going to really badly damage our lives and the lives of those around us. Now we sometimes have professing Christians who, who are dishonest, aren't, don't we? We get sometimes false claims of miracles or false claims of numbers of people converted. Uh, sometimes exaggerations. Sometimes we have people who are not honest about others in other situations. Perhaps they have an argument with somebody and they exaggerate the wrong of the other person and they make themselves uh, to, be, uh, to be good, better than what they, what they really are. Uh, we misremember that our God, one of the characteristics of our God is that he does not lie. He's the God who tells the truth. And he's a God who hates lying, who hates dishonesty. Um, remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira as uh, recorded in Acts um, and chapter, uh, chapter uh, 5. Ananias and Sapphira, they, they, um, they pretended to the church that they had um, sold a field for a certain amount of money and they'd, they'd given the full amount of that money to the church as a gift but the reality was that they kept some of it back for themselves now they could have they would have been quite okay to have, to have um, 
just openly said, we've, we've sold a field and we're giving you a certain percentage, that would have been fine. But they pretended, perhaps because they wanted to look good, they pretended that they had brought the full amount when in fact they'd only brought part of the amount. And uh, they both fell down dead when they were challenged about this by Peter. God takes a very dim view of, of lying, especially lying to the church. And then finally, uh, verse 6, um, it's impossible to gain wisdom if you don't really want it. Verse 6, a scoffer seeks wisdom in vain, but knowledge is easy for the man of understanding. If your heart is not right, you will never know wisdom. Sometimes I talk to people and they say to me, well, I, I asked Jesus to save me. I asked to know the truth about, about God. Nothing happened. Well, the question which really does need to be asked is, did you really want something to happen? Did you really want God? Did you really want salvation? Jesus does promise, seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. If, if we do it sincerely and seriously seek the Lord, we will find the Lord. That is the promise of Scripture. But somebody who makes a show or a pretense of, of seeking God will never truly know him. But somebody whose heart is right, somebody who sincerely and genuinely wants the truth, that person, when he or she seeks the, seeks the, the wisdom that comes from God, will find it. So the key, what has to happen for us to truly know the Lord is that we must repent. We must humble ourselves. We must seek God. And we must, uh, we must turn from our sin and uh, come to him. Uh, being willing for him to convict of us, uh, us of our sin. And being willing for him to, uh, to change our lives. Well, I hope that's, uh, those thoughts are helpful for us and uh, we will now uh, move to uh, discussion. And if you're at home and might be watching online, I would really much, very much encourage you to uh, don't just stop here, but do find us on Zoom using the usual link and uh, do, uh, do join us for the discussion. But let's now um, pray. Oh Lord God, uh, we pray that you will please um, help us to receive your word, help us to apply your word. Lord, if there is any area in our lives that we need to be convicted about, that we need to repent of, we pray that you'll grant us true repentance. And we pray that you will cause us to be those who, who uh, properly love you and serve you, that properly fear you. Please help us, we pray. Help us and guide us 
in the discussion that we have now. And please help us to uh, draw near to you and, and do each other good, we pray through Jesus Christ. Amen.